Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Semi Pro. I'm your host, Josh Clements, or Brit Edit. And I'm Dalton Barrett, aka Barrett Digital. And today's episode of Semi Pro is brought to you by those people on Twitter who are always given inside scoops who don't actually have any inside scoops. They're just the best, and we love them with our whole heart. They are my number one most reliable news source. Oh, yes. Whenever they talk about what the bat suit is going to look like in Matt Reeves' Batman, you have to take it as fact. Because they tweeted whenever about they it. Say that, uh, whenever they say, I'm hearing rumors that the Obi-Wan show might be cancelled. Well, that one was... That was a troll page, right? Account. Right, so that one doesn't count. We're talking about the real the real deal here, Josh. We're talking about... You know, I'm, I'm hearing rumors that the Batsuit in Matt Reeves' Batman is supposed to be inspired by Batman Noel. And then a week later, they're like, turns out the rumors about Batman Noel were false. Now it's supposed to look like insert other comic book suit here those are my favorite people they really know what they're talking about the uh i don't know what you're talking about the ones who when it comes out that whatever they're reporting is is actually fake they're like that wasn't me that was my sources their mm-hmm. sources happen to be mm-hmm. reddit ah uh, that superman suit that leaked online this week on reddit very clearly oh, fake. Yeah. i don't know what you're talking about yeah it's kind of sloppy looking yeah, it's real bad, and there's a Photoshop cursor in the screen that no one seemed to notice. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they took something from one of my pieces and cut it to make the Superman suit. And when I first saw it, I didn't notice that, but, I, you know, it's whatever. Well, uh, I was going to say, I, I kind of recognized the stance from somewhere, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I've used that stance before, which, you know, concept artists can do, but, yeah, um, decide for yourself. Yeah, whoever made it. They really didn't do a great job. And should, um, they should be ashamed. <laughs> they really should be. All right. So what they, should, they should host a podcast. <laughs> they should host a podcast. <laughs> maybe start an Instagram page. Maybe whatever. Uh, let's see. We're doing our top movies of the decade. And how we're doing this. Is, uh, this... Probably the last time that we're going to have uh, before we get back to sort of more regular programming. Right. Uh, the way we're going to do this is we're not just going to like name our favorite movies from the decade. We've taken each year and then assigned each year its own movie. And so we're going to start in 2010. Uh, ten years ago, Josh, I'm going to let you give your favorite movie of 2010. Oh. <clears throat> My favorite movie of 2010 is none other than Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Which is a great film. Uh, yeah, I, I love the movie to death. I think it, it like oozes style. And beyond the amazing visual, the amazing visuals, the fantastic soundtrack, the, every like character is so perfectly cast. It just the, the the representation of the film about the kind of hold that um, you know your past relationships can have on your life. Uh, I, I, the graphic novel it's based on. It it really just every time I can watch it endlessly, and I'll find something new. I'll find something funny again. Edgar Wright is possibly one of my favorite directors because every single one of his movies is, I would say to a degree, flawless. I would agree. I think Edgar Wright is one of those filmmakers that just, um, he knows what he's doing and he, I don't think he's made a bad movie. Uh, Baby Driver was great. Um, I'm trying to think back to all of Edgar Wright's movies. Um... Yeah, you started off with Shaun of the Dead. He, he used right. to do a TV series called Spaced, which just had its 21st anniversary, I think. Wow. Which is, uh, 
It's fantastic. It's the sort of first outing for Edgar Wright, Sean Pegg, and uh, not Sean Pegg. That's it. I was kind of confused with Sean of the Dead. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it the first sound of him, Nick Frost, all, all of that lot. Uh, it's really good. It's incredibly British. Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense since it, since you like it because you're a communist. Um, <laughs> right, naturally. No, I, I, I love the, uh, the Scott Pilgrim movie. Um, I love Edgar Wright. I can completely understand or understand and see why it was on your list. Because it is, it's a great movie, and it's timeless too. It's one of those that just kind of keeps it, it. It's both very dated in the early to mid two thousands because it came out in two thousand ten. It's both very dated in that time period and very timeless at the same time, which I think is a really interesting thing that that movie was able to pull off. There's not a whole mm. lot to talk about it though. I mean, the, the, everything that we want to say about this movie has already been said. No, like I said it. It really is, to a degree, just perfect. Plus, it takes, it takes place in Canada, which in itself is, well, it doesn't exist, and it's timeless. And it's a joke. Canada's a joke. Anyway. Um, what, what, what's your film of the 2010? 2010 for me is True Grit. Um, I'm a big Western fan, and I grew up watching Westerns with, uh, with a lot of my family, and um, my granddad specifically liked Western movies, and... And so I'd seen the true, the original True Grit several times, and this remake just knocks it out of the park. And I, I think in terms of remakes, it's probably the best one I've ever seen. Um, it's it's perfectly acted. It's very well paced uh, for a western, uh, and the fact that it's a western that that, that that's that good that came out in 2010 uh, is really quite the accomplishment. Uh, Jeff Bridges is in it, and anything Jeff Bridges is in, sign me up, because I love hearing that velvety voice. Uh, but yeah, True Grit was was great, uh, especially as a remake, and I, I can't stress that enough, because uh, a lot of people don't even know it is a remake, but it, it, it is one of those remakes that's a remake of a good movie that manages to do it better, which is, which is why it made my list for the best movie of 2010. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, I have seen it. I saw it ages ago. It's... I, I'm not as big of a Western fan of you. Um, I've seen a few. I've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, I've seen, I think I've seen the three, uh, The Man With No Name and A Fistful of Dollars. Which are also great. And then I've seen, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. But uh, I remember watching True Grip because it was probably my first Western I ever saw. And it, it still holds its place. It's probably one of my favorites. I mean, uh, it's it's got Haley Steinfeld, uh, Jeff Bridges, and Matt Damon lead with an early Josh Brolin as the antagonist, and it's just right. it, it's oh, it, it is fantastic. Um, I I still need to see Bone Tomahawk, right? But it and uh, as far as like modern westerns go, that is I'd, I'd say almost perfect, if not perfect. No, I right I, I would agree. Uh, like I said, if you've seen the original. This one just becomes instantly better for some reason because the original is good, but the fact that this one able, was able to make it just better is awesome. And that's what a remake should do. It should add to the original. And it was just really neat that this one was able to do that. What's your movie for? We're going to kind of go through these a little faster than we did our uh, last week's show where we did our movies of the year. We're going to try to 
hold this down a little bit. What's your movie for 2011? It's, I'm, I'm cheating on this. It's a bit of a tie because I couldn't decide. It was either going to be First Class or Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And I think, you know, on the spot, I'm probably going to have to go with First Class. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's actually interesting because mine is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. We got a nice split. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I love both of these films. Uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is one of the f- uh, few movies that actually kind of made me tear up. Yes. Uh, it, it's the part where he's in the jail and he, like, draws his window and shit. And I'm like... It, it gets to me, but um, I mean, they, I think they are both just brilliant. Um, first Class, I think, wins a few points for me because I grew up watching the X-Men, so I'm far more established with, it, I, uh, with them than I am with something like Planet of the Apes, which I think I've only seen the Marky Mark one, which yeah, we don't talk about that. That's the worst of all of them. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Fassbender and McAvoy knock it out of the park. They are insane. You've got Jennifer Lawrence when she actually gave a crap about movies. So <laughs> that was great. Um, the, the uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Kevin Bacon as the villain is also just fantastic. It's, as far as like prequels go to an established franchise, it's one of my favorites. And it, it kind of redefines the X-Men genre. Of course, after Days of Future Past, it all went downhill, but that's beside the point. Well, but I think Days of Future Past is peak. That's peak X-Men for me. I think it's the best Fox-produced X-Men movie that we saw. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So what do you like about Rise of the Planet of the Apes that put it over the top of, like, first class and the other films? Well, see, for me, I had to have an Apes movie on my list because that's my favorite trilogy that probably that I've seen in forever. The, The Planet of the Apes trilogy is beautifully done. Uh, and the last two movies done by Matt Reeves, of course, who's now handling Batman. Those two are my favorite. I prefer them to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But they just happened to come out in years where something else trumped them for me. So I wanted to make sure I got an Apes movie on my list. And while this is my least favorite of the trilogy, it's still so good. Uh, James Franco's performance in that, I love seeing James Franco wherever he's at. Um, explaining this story of the Planet of the Apes story in the way that they did was great uh, because the the original Planet of the Apes kind of uh, film saga, I guess, is it's like six movies that came out in the 60s and 70s, and they never explain where the apes come from. Uh, so having a movie that is a prequel that explains all that is just really neat, and having it all come about because of uh, this small-scale character just wanting to, you know, wanting his pet to be happy is is awesome. And I really liked it. And Andy Serkis playing Caesar in all three movies, but especially uh, in this one, since it was the first time they had done that with him, is just amazing. And I don't believe for the... This is the first time I've seen a movie, and I remember seeing it, where I thought to myself, is that a puppet? Is that CGI or is that a real monkey? And I actually genuinely thought that, which was... I mean, granted, I was 12 or 11, but it's uh, it's interesting that that was the case. Um, no, I agree. I think Circus, I, I, uh, Rise is my second favorite in the trilogy. I, I think War is my least favorite, but like most said, they're all still just fantastic. Um, the, the scene where uh, Caesar finally speaks and he just says no is one of my favorite scenes oh, it's, just it, in filmmaking. It's chilling. It's genuinely a chilling scene. Um, but yeah, I, I really love that. I'm going to flip this. 
What's your 2012 film of the year? Ah, uh, why would you do that to me? Uh, mine is 007 Skyfall. Uh, Same. <laughs> is it? Is it actually? Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> I'm sure there will be some more that line up. Uh, Skyfall is the best James Bond movie, and I don't think you can convince me otherwise. Which is a title that has been held by Goldfinger since... Uh, when did that movie come out? Um, 92, I want to say. Well, that's GoldenEye. Goldfinger came out in 64. Oh, no, no. Yeah. And has I, been uh, regarded... Mixed up. Has been regarded as the best Bond film since 1964, and now people are saying that it's Skyfall. So it took, however many years that is, to to top that, and it's awesome. And the Skyfall is as close to a flawless Bond movie as I think you could possibly get, while still keeping with the Bond tropes. And it was just, it was really neat. And uh, I don't know, I really enjoy it. It's one that I keep going back to more so than the rest of the Craig Arabon movies, and I just I can't quit can't quit watching it. No, I'm with you there. It's it's brilliant. It's fantastic. It kind of redefined the Bond genre in terms of the the films that followed it because it, it triggered it triggered the first time that the Bond franchise has had a uh, follow through plotline. Yes, which was neat. Uh, they've never done that before, and it's neat that they they are, and hopefully we're going to get to see the end of that come uh, No Time to Die, which would be really sick. Come March time, so. Uh, in that case, I'm going to flip it on you yet again. Ah. Uh, <laughs> which of 2013? Come on. 2013 Snowpiercer with um, Chris Evans. I think it's one of those movies that, it's another one of those that I always forget about and think, you know, I, I, I forget that it exists, and then I watch it, and I'm like, man, I, I forgot how much I love this movie, and I've seen it several times now, and it's just one of those that I have to keep watching to remind myself how much I love it. The acting is great, and if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's some great twists in there. I mean, I know it's been seven years, but I still don't want to spoil it. Some great twists in there. Definitely check it out if you haven't yet, because I know it's one that not as many people have seen, but it's like... If you took all those post-apocalyptic movies that are not post-apocalyptic, those like teen movies that were coming out at this time, like, you know, your Hunger Games and Divergent and all those, if you took all of those and made one that was actually good, you'd get Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love Snowpiercer. The, uh, like I said, no spoilers. I think that's a movie that if you go into blind, it vastly improves everything. Um, and... The, uh, can, do you, do you, mm, can you even talk about the basic premise of Snowpiercer without sort of ruining a bit of the mystery with it? Oh, I say don't. Um, I, let's not even talk no, about the plot. Okay. I, I, I won't talk about it, but there's, as well as like the twists and the acting, which is phenomenal, um, there's the, the action sequences in it. They're like oh, yes. proto-John Wick in how original and just well choreographed they are. Yes, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, it's just, it's a good movie, and you have to check it out. And it doesn't just have one of the good elements of a good movie. It's got all of them. And so, to me, that adds a lot to it. Um, it's one of my favorite movies, probably, uh, in terms of that kind of movie, that that post, um, what's the term for it? Uh, where it's like a, a post-apocalyptic rebellion type movie. Um, I can't remember the word, but I'm blanking on it. But anyway, it's one of the best of that genre, for sure. Absolutely. So what's your 2013, Josh? 
2013 is Prisoners. Um, have you ever seen it? I have not. That one's new to me. Okay, it's uh, it's I can never pronounce his name. It's the dude who's doing the new Dune film, uh, Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I'm gonna keep on saying Villeneuve, no matter how culturally ignorant that is of me. Banana new. Um, it's so the the basic premise of it is Hugh Jackman's daughter goes missing, and uh, it sparks a manhunt for her. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal is he's you know the detective on the case. And basically, Jackman suspects it's this one guy, and that one guy keeps on teasing Jackman, but to the rest of the world he seems innocent, and it's a thriller that I've seen once and I can't watch again because it is brutal in that it's so visceral and grounded in reality. Like We speak about this a lot, it's not some world-defining event, it's literally just this one town, this one family, and this one daughter and w- what her dad's willing to do but it's not punishing that he he goes out vigilante style breaking kneecaps it's just how sort of deteriorated a mindset can get when you're in that sort of situation and it, it's gut-wrenching every way um i don't really want to say that much because again it's it's a film that you, it's better if you go into it blind uh at least blind to the characters um the story itself is sort of inconsequential to it all, but uh, it, it's it's fantastic, it's brutal, and it's what introduced me to the, the Dennis uh, Vaudeville or whatever his name is. <laughs> Dennis Vaughn Doom, that's his name. Right. Vaughn? I didn't know he directed prisons. <laughs> so you just gave your 2013 movie. I'm gonna go ahead and hop on to 20. What year? 2014. Uh, John Wick <laughs> is mine. We've talked we talked extensively about John Wick three last week. Um, and the, the first one kicked it all off. It's such a simple story, and there's not a whole lot I can say about it beyond saying that it's it's as close to a perfect action movie as you're ever going to see. And it'll just make the little 13-year-old boy inside of you dance like a schoolgirl because you're just so excited to watch Keanu Reeves just mess some people, people. up. And yeah. the, the two movies after it, John Wick 2 and John Wick 3, have expanded that world um, and they just keep getting bigger and bigger, which is awesome. But the first one is such a small scale, interesting little story. And so it's one you got to watch it if you haven't. I can't spoil it even if I wanted to. There aren't really spoilers because it's more just Keanu Reeves just handing it to some people. So definitely check that one out if you haven't. What's uh, what's your 2014, Josh? 2014. Uh, 2014 was a hard year to pick. There were so many amazing films. You had John Wick, you had uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But ultimately, I ended up going with Grand Budapest Hotel. Another great movie. So, um, yeah, I, I love Wes Anderson. I, I think I haven't seen every movie he's done, but I've seen the majority, and they're all just great. Uh, and the, the Grand Budapest Hotel in, in particular, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it is just kind of the style of the movie, but I think Ray Fiennes is incredible. He's amazing. He he is every. I say this a lot about uh, it's one of my movies, but every character and every actor is cast perfectly. They are. There's no error. Everyone is who they need to be, and it is just fantastic. Um, I'm not gonna. I don't <laughs> don't want to spoil anything about it because. There's really, again, it's not much to spoil. It's about this uh, hotel, 
and about a guy who works there and just his relationship with the people. But it's got the standard Wes Anderson style of filmmaking and writing that just, it, it reaches entirely new heights. Plus, I've noticed a common theme here. Willem Dafoe is in both of our movies, therefore Willem Dafoe is the actor of the decade. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure if we look through, he's in several of our movies. <laughs> from a, I'm sure Problem. we can find some, <laughs> some crossover between them all. Okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give my 2015 just to speed us along here a little bit. My, my 2015 is, of course, Mad Max Fury Road. It's Should I say? It's 2015, and you got to pick a best movie of the year. If it's not Mad Max Fury Road, there's something wrong with you. Um, no, absolutely. Um, it, it just came out that that's Empire's film of the 21st century so far. Which I think is a little early. We still got like 80 years left, but I d- <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it. it I, I've said this about several movies uh, on this list, but this one's the most true out of all of them. Mad Max Fury Road is as close to a perfect movie as is physically possible. Mad Max Fury Road may be a perfect movie. Um, yeah, there's, there's not a scene wasted. No. And there's not there's not a scene in that movie where you look away. I mean, there's not... That, that whole movie is so interesting that every single scene you're invested in, you all the characters you, you love, um, it, ah, it's just so good. And it's the... Um, it's a rare thing where... You know, because it kind of spawned that whole bring back those 80s franchises instead of rebooting them or remaking them or spin off, bring them back, use the same character and make a direct sequel. It kind of spawned that. Um, and it's it's not quite a direct sequel, although they said it was. It kind of it, it feels almost remake ish, but it's not apparently. But it's so good, and so, um, the, the way that I talk, talk about it is the same way I talk about The Dark Knight. But with The Dark Knight, I always say, you know, people say the film's overrated a lot, and I always think, oh, maybe it is. And then I go back and watch it, and I'm like, no, it's not. It's still perfect. Absolutely. With this film, I never have the thought that it's overrated because I just, it, it's every scene is so beautiful in the shots the the cinematography the choreography the acting the soundtrack it is like you said it is about as close to a perfect movie as we've gotten this year i would say in, it, in i would say it filmmaking. is a perfect movie uh, i mean i would go as far to say it's a perfect mm. movie um the thing about it uh is i don't think it's overrated because i don't think enough people are talking about this movie i know it's been out for five years but it's still so good uh, and it's one I really need to rewatch because I haven't in a while. But it's, ugh, it's it's a beautiful little little movie. And we got to move on, or we're just going to talk about Mad Max Fury Road for the rest of the episode. 2016. Why don't you go ahead and give yours, Josh? Hot take. It's the it's the nice guys. I liked the nice guys. That was a really good movie. Uh, it's um, uh, Shane Black. It's Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe. And a cameo by none other than Robert Downey Jr. But uh, yeah, I think Shane Black's got a really good way of dialogue. You can see it in this in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, it's a nice body cop movie, and it was just refreshing in sort of an era of mass blockbuster to have just these two guys who don't like each other but happen to be in the same line of work and just have to work with each other. Plus, it, it really showed off Ryan Gosling's sort of range as well as his comedic chops. 
yeah, that's what I remember walking away from that movie thinking is, man, Ryan Gosling is a lot funnier than I thought he was. Um, he really is. Because I've never, I don't, I don't ever think of him as a as a comedy actor. The next three on my list, uh, the next three years are all comic book movies because I figured I needed some on the list. And on what you were saying about um, how the nice guys was, um, I almost said the nice cast, uh, about how the I'd nice say, guys. <laughs> when I was reading, I almost, I was thinking, don't say nice cast. <laughs> Shout out to Keith who was on the podcast before. Um, I remember. Uh, you were talking about how it was it was refreshing to have a smaller scale buddy cop movie in this era of just because from 2015 to now it's just been like all these movies are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the blockbusters are just like like just exponentially exploding in terms of scale and so the one i picked it was a comic book movie i put dr strange on my list reason being i think it's been the best mcu movie since winter soldier i'd say uh, it was almost like a back to phase one kind of movie, which was neat. Um, it was a it was a slightly more radical story because all those phase one movies, maybe outside of Thor, but even Thor was still very grounded and not too out there in terms of their subject matter and all that kind of stuff. And Doctor Strange was just like, all right, we're not doing that. We're going all out. But it was it was just this very character driven smaller movie, which for me was awesome to see in an era where we've got, you know, the Avengers and these massive earth-shattering events. Doctor Strange was a bit of that, but at the same time, it was very character-driven. So that's why it made my 2016 list for best movie of 2016. Uh, are you ready for your 2017, or have you given your 2016 yet? I can't remember. My 2016 was the nice cost. Ah, yes. <laughs> 2017, what's your movie? <laughs> Well, okay. I'm kind of. I kind of think that the next three years we might have the same movie. Probably. Um, my 2017 is Logan. Mine too. Mine as well. That's. Logan is. Everything that is great about Logan has been said over the last three years. It's beyond just being a fantastic movie. It's a fantastic send-off to a character that really it, it was a situation that kind of hadn't been seen before. Oh, Hugh yeah. Jackman had played this character for 17 years straight. There's, he was the Wolverine. There's no, there's nothing else like this that's happened because usually by that point, you know, usually somebody plays a character for 15, 16, 17 years in movie. The movies have gotten sloppy to the point where people don't care anymore or that person just gets canned with no send off. Um, so having this movie that's a send-off to an actor who's played a character for 17 years and to have it be this quality and this good of a movie is something that we've never seen before um, and I guess maybe have kind of seen since with Endgame. They did kind of the Logan thing with a lot of those characters, but even then it wasn't the same. Um, uh, I was going to say, the closest approximation that you could make to this movie is Endgame in that it, it was a send-off to some of these characters that have been with us for the better part of a decade. But even then, Logan was the better part of nearly 20 years. And right. uh, I think his movie works a bit more as a send-off because it was it was just him. It was a culmination of everything that we knew about this character so far. Whereas Endgame's more of a culmination of the universe as it had been so far with the characters as a side thought. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe 
crisis, kind of, but that even falls into the same endgame thing. Because uh, we did get some send-off for characters that we haven't seen in Christ on Infinite Earths, but then that was just sloppily written. and So I don't think... We'll, we'll never see another movie like Logan. And for that reason, it, it had it, to make my list. It redefined uh, comic book genre, too. Because without Logan, you wouldn't get... Um, well, to a better degree, Deadpool. But without Logan, you wouldn't get some of the more R-rated blockbusters that we're starting to see become more and more prevalent. Right. Um, well, well, Deadpool because it just, did it. it proved it. that it can be fantastic. Right. De- I mean, Deadpool did it, but when Deadpool did it, it was more like, okay, well, that's very, a very isolated thing. It works with this character. It won't work with anybody else. But then they pushed it, and they got it with Logan, and now we're seeing, yeah, this does work. The people who are watching these with, movies. Um, Joker, with Birds of Prey. Right. Uh, even further with Deadpool in the future. But uh, yeah, no, it was fantastic. What's your 2018? Because I'm curious about this one. <laughs> I don't know what you put for yours. I put Into the Spider-Verse. Um, it's the only what animated... different films? Oh, we did? Close one. <laughs> <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse is... Uh, it was great. Um, everything, once again, that I can say about it has already been said. I mean, it's just... It's a beautiful little movie. And um, I think everybody kind of expected it to be uh, at least visually stunning when they went in to it because of the trailers and things but I don't think anybody expected the movie itself to be as good as it was um, and I always like to be surprised that way I always like when a movie comes out that I'm expecting to just be okay and it turns out to just blow me out of the water and that's what happened with the Spider-Verse and it was just it was such a neat little film and I'm glad I got to see it in theaters because it was a beautifully beautifully animated movie uh, very stylistic um, somehow meshed both 2D and 3D together in a way that, it, oh, it was great. And it's getting a sequel, which is neat. The cast was great. Um, the music was great. Everything about it was just really, really good. So what's yours, Josh? Um, mine was a sort of tie, again, between this film and Into the Spider-Verse. And before I go into this film, I just want to say, Into the Spider-Verse was only just beaten out by like a millimeter because... It, I, I love that film so much. Beyond being fantastically written, it's got technical levels that actually add to the filmmaking. Have you have you seen the stuff about um, Miles's frame rate compared to Peter's? I have. Yes. All that stuff yeah, is so, just. So for those who don't know, um, basically, Miles's frame rate is written uh, at half the speed of Peter's until the moment that he fully acknowledges himself as Spider-Man, where he becomes you know the full 24 frames a second and moves a lot smoother and it's just it's tiny details like that that are just so amazing um but my 2018 movie is mission impossible fallout oh that was almost mine it was it was the toss-up between the two and we just landed on different ones oh uh, yeah yeah I, I love this movie it it kind of reinvigorated my love for mission impossible which at that point i i'd still liked it um ghost protocol and rogue nation i thought were still brilliant but fallout elevated it to another level uh particularly i mean in a big part is because of henry cavill the uh the repertoire between him and Cruz is just great the the sort of two sides of an opposite coin dynamic that they had again absolutely amazing um yeah no well well worth it all and yeah uh i can't say anything that you haven't said just made made me love 
the Mission Impossible series all that much more. Got me back into it. It's like every time I, I think, like, I'm kind of done with Mission Impossible. Movie comes out and it just ropes me back in. And I love all those movies. I mean, I just... What a great, great saga. And they've been going on for almost 20 years now. That'll be the next thing. We'll get a Logan-style send-off for Tom Cruise's character in Mission Impossible. So I think we already know what the best movie of 2019 is, don't we, Josh? Yeah, we've, we both talked about it so much for the last few weeks, and I, I honestly can't think of a better film than Joker. Yes. Why'd you do that? I was, I was I fully to. ready. Man. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that's it. we got to end the podcast. We don't have any time to actually... No, it's it's so, so kind of out. The best three films of the decade are Joker, Joker Two, and Joker, the before one. The Joker prequel. <laughs> the Joker prequel is going to come out. <laughs> I give it. Who who's going to play young Joaquin Phoenix in in the Joker prequel? Um, uh, River Phoenix. Oh wait. <laughs> Josh. Um. I know. I feel bad. Um. Yeah. So 2019 best film of the year. Knives Out. We've we've talked about it so much for the last like three weeks. Um. It's a masterclass in how to do a new take on a genre. How to make a film. How to write characters. How to do twists. How to do a murder mystery. How to cinematography, soundtrack. Everything is brilliant. Um. We we really can't speak enough about this film, and it's you you have to go see it. Yes. As soon as possible, check it out. You will not regret it. It is one of the best movies of the decade. It's in our top 10 list. So check out these movies if you haven't seen them already. Uh, I want to thank you for taking a chunk out of your day to just hang out with me and Josh and listen to this podcast. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, if you want to rate it five stars and leave a review, that would be excellent. And if you're listening anywhere and want to share this with your pals... That would be great as well. Josh, go ahead and plug some stuff. Uh, well, you can contact us on Twitter at Josh and Dalton and tell us, hey, why were we wrong about all of these films? And why are we idiots for not choosing Joker as the best film of 2019? That is. Talk to us there. You can talk to us both on Instagram at BritEdit and at Barrett.Digital. Uh, it's been fun talking to you. Yeah. All right. We will see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening to Semi Pro. Peace out.